G'day, it's Ben Davis. Thanks for catching up on Mornings here on SENQ. But you know what? You can also catch up some great content with other SEN shows, such as Brekkie with Patty and Heels, The Captain's Run with Cameron Smith and Denon Kemp, all on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. But until then, sit back and enjoy and make sure you tell your mates. Let's bust it down in the world of sport. How can someone who could be facing a four-year ban for this be looking at just three months? And is it performance enhancing or is it detrimental to your health? It could be a very obvious answer, but it's one that I will be asking my next guest who's on the line now, Dr. Peter Larkins. He's a sports medicine guru, sports physician, leading one in this country. Uh, Doc, uh, great chatting to you again. A very good morning. Um, Cocaine use, surely that's not a performance enhancing drug or is it because it's a stimulant? Morning. Good good morning, Ben. Well, I mean, it'd be interesting to do a survey amongst... um and I dare say there are listeners who have had some experience with knowing someone that's taken it because it's so ubiquitous in society. But it's a stimulant. It's the S6 stimulant category, which is high, highly addictive stimulant. Um, so potentially a stimulant is something that keeps you alert. It improves your reflexes, your, your hand-eye coordination, um, anti-fatigue. So if you're in a sport where you know, hand-eye coordination, reflexes, um, you know, fatigue is a big issue, then anything that stimulates that is likely to be performance-enhancing. But too much of anything, if, if you're overdosing on something, will make it worse. So it, uh, it is in the banned substance because it comes under the stimulant category. Okay, there we go. See, these are the these are one of the reasons, or this is one of the reasons why I've got you on, Doctor, to talk us through it. Because I'm getting feedback from listeners today saying this is an accepted use and part of society now, and it's like I'm still trying to get my head around that it's a crime. It's it's illegal. Well, I mean, you're right. It it, it's it's an illegal, illicit drug. I mean, it's 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 you know every time if you look at the news on the news tonight, there'll be a shipment inter you know intercepted somewhere at an airport or on on a bloody. you know, the shipping container and found that there's a hidden compartment with the cocaine. I mean, this is a massive illicit drug campaign. It's, apart from marijuana, it's probably the second most commonly used drug. And marijuana clearly isn't illegal in certain circumstances and, and not considered to be a dangerous drug. But cocaine is associated with antisocial behaviour. It's associated with criminal acts. Um, you know, and I'm, there are, but there are doctors who use cocaine. There are lawyers. There are radio announcers who use cocaine. It is out in society. But the problem is, you know, it's not acceptable you know, when, as you rightly said, when when did it become acceptable to do that? Um, but the thing is, when you're talking about the sport code, there's a sport code in place for a variety of reasons, one of which is performance enhancing, one of, one is it's the spirit of sport, and one is health reasons. And if you, in those three categories, cocaine potentially uh, crosses the boundaries on all three of them. Doc, so often we say that sport is just a mirror of society. Is that what we're seeing here with the penalties? Yep. And I, I, I use the case of... Wendell Saylor back in 2006. So we're going back 17 years ago. He was caught on match day and served yep. a two-year ban. And at the time, Ewan McKenzie's uh, his coach said, it's, it's almost a jail sentence, but the punishment yep. does fit the crime. And yet we see the case of Joel Smith last week, and they're now talking that he could face a three-month ban. Yeah. Yeah, it, the, the the drug policy, the drug code, the drug testing system is more complex now, Ben, than it's ever been in the whole history of the time I've been in sport. It's very confusing, not only for doctors and listeners, but for the athletes themselves. So the question is here, did he use cocaine on match day in order to take a mark, get a kick or run faster? Now, if he did, and it's a performance-enhancing stimulant, then, of course, the ban can be up to four years because it breaches the code of a match day use. 
he also may have used it at Wednesday at a mate's birthday because the other people were using it. And if he was silly enough, and the question is, why would a, a premiership contending team member even midweek use cocaine if he's going to play on that particular Sunday? So that's a bigger question to ask. But the difference in the sanctions is that if he took it on match day to get a kick, then he's, the WADA code says, well, you know, you, you're going to get you're cheating and you'll have a four-year ban. If he took it Wednesday at a mate's birthday and it was still in his system and detected on match day, the the different system is that it's a three-month ban because he said he was taking it for the so-called social use and not for performance use. So if he's honest enough to say, yes, I did take cocaine, yes, I'm guilty, but I didn't take it on, on the weekend, I took it on Wednesday, and he can prove that somehow, then he gets away with a three-month ban, which I don't think is right, because that could also come into play right now, that he doesn't even miss any games in 2024. So if the three months starts from the time that he's found guilty, then all he does is he spends three months over the summer um, serving the uh, suspension, and then he's back to play round one. So it's a very complicated system. And yet, to me, that just seems nonsensical. How, how do you... How, yeah. how, what yeah. message does that send? That, that's well, I don't think it sends a message. I mean, I, look, this is another philosophical conversation. Are we sending a strong enough message? And, and back to a more important point, I think, Ben, is you know what, what expectation do we have of elite athletes? Because if it does mirror society, their mates are on cocaine. They're going to be at parties over the weekend. They go to all these other things. Cocaine is there. Are they expected to uphold a higher level of behaviour? And, and, and I think they do. So, mm. But the question is, you know, does that what the community expects? Does the media expect that? Do, do the fans expect that? Because you know, the, the issue comes down to that, he, that there's no real sanction if he doesn't miss any football games. I mean, he gets a bit of negative publicity, but that's happened to plenty of people that are working in the media, and it's happened. There's been plenty of white powder cases in other AFL players that have been publicised, Ben, as you well know, and I'm not going to name them, but in the last year and two years, and even this year, in 2023. So, so the message of deterrent, I don't think, is strong enough. But we might be saying, well, we're being too punitive. We, we shouldn't be hard on those people because it's out there and they should be allowed to. I mean, I'm still of the old school that, it, that there's a certain discipline and a certain expectation if you're performing in a sporting environment and having the privileges of the salary that they earn at 400000 average per year across the AFL in 2023. Yeah. Then there's an expectation that your behaviour is above what happens to the blokes in the street. Hey, Doc, I'm with you. The old school is the best type of school because here's the thing, that those mates that they're partying with, they're not playing at the elite level. They're not doing what they do. They're not making the sacrifices that these guys make no. and have to make to be yep. the elite of the elite. That That's kind of the trade-off, right? You, you yep. get this fantastic well, career, yeah. you get a great salary, but you also have to sacrifice along the way. Yeah, I mean, it's a short-term thing. It can be as you know, little as four or five years if you play 100 games. That's a big achievement in AFL in the yeah. current circles with the injury and the pressure that's on them. But at the same time, there's privileges going with that lifestyle. And I think that, you know, and the other thing is the education process. These players are educated about what they're allowed to take or not take. They know about the penalties. They know about the testing process. So when somebody deliberately takes it, they're obviously either believing they're not going to get caught or, the, or again, my point is the testing system isn't thorough enough that it's picking up. It's like the drink driving things, right? There were plenty of people drink driving in Brisbane on Saturday night, Ben, who didn't get pulled over. So when we know the statistics, yep. you know, on who's 0.05 driving on the roads in Australia, that doesn't reflect how many people are 0.05. So when we say how many people have been caught taking cocaine in the drug testing system for sport, that's only a small percentage of the people using it anyway. So the problem is huge, I believe. I've also got an issue with the three-strike policy too, because um, that—that's all. That, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that's more about. Um, it's it's more about helping them um, rather. It's about yeah. counselling rather than the consequences, isn't it? 
Yeah, well, I need to distinguish between the, the drug testing code, which is WADA, the World Anti-Doping Authority, and the illicit drug code, which is the strikes policy that you're referring to. Yeah. So with WADA, if you get caught, you're out. So the Joel Smith situation is a WADA test. Yeah. So the WADA test in competition day, which is when he tested positive, then that's when he's subject to the penalty of up to four years. There's no strikes. There's no one strike, two strike. What you're alluding to is the voluntary illicit drug program that the AFL and some other sports have signed up to where players... Well, that's supposed to be an intervention policy, Ben. It's supposed to be a medical model to assist players who maybe are going through stress or relationship or financial concerns and they, they take ecstasy or they take cocaine. And so this was supposed to help players to be back on that. So a first strike you and I don't hear about, they get a fine and they get counselling. A second strike, they get a bigger fine and they get a four-week suspension, which is often covered up through some other injury concern or whatever. So that's the illicit drug policy, which I've always been critical of because players, again, can dodge and weave through that and they know they're not going to get suspended the first time they have a positive strike in, in that illicit but this is the WADA code. You don't. There's no strikes. You're either guilty or you're not guilty, which is what Joel Smith has to prove whether he used the Dodger uh, on a competition day or not on the competition day. And this is where the three-month versus the four years confusion comes along. And as much as they get educated on it, having two sets of rules would send mixed messages. And if you're getting away with one, and it, I mean, that's just in life. And it doesn't matter what sort of rules we're talking about here. But if you if you start pushing the envelope or if you're getting away with this, you just try and take a bit more, a bit more, yep. a bit more. And then all of a sudden, bang, you find yourself there. So I, I just think yeah, it's... Look, I have a lot of sympathy yeah. with the athletes because it is a complicated system yeah. and I have sympathy for them. But at the same time, there's an expectation, well, why would you take cocaine? Why would you take ecstasy? Why would you take, you know, marijuana? Yeah. I mean, if you, if you want yeah. to go into this lifestyle, don't don't confuse yourself by wondering whether I'm going to have an illicit test or a water test. Don't take anything. You know, that's the, that's the thing. Don't take something, whether it's recreational or social or whether it's performance enhancing, then you won't confuse yourself yeah. and wonder which strike you're going to be subject to. I mean, it's a pretty simple decision to make. <laughs> it is. But again, that's, that's my old school philosophy. That's my <laughs> spirit of sport and my fair play side of me coming out as the ex-athlete in me saying that, Ben. Medically, yeah, you can get away with taking it. And of course, you may, you may not get caught and you may not have any side effects, but at the same time, you, then you do get caught, you, you've got to justify. And I think the sanction needs to, the message needs to be strong enough to deter people. And I don't think the deterrent is strong enough. Doc, always good to chat. We are on the same page. Appreciate it. Dr. Peter Larkins That's there, right. leading sports efficient as physician, medical guru, if you like. Uh, he's spot on, isn't he? The deterrent is not strong enough. And, and you know what? Just because you can doesn't mean you should. Actually, no, let, let's, let's just have the sentence. It's illegal. Stops and starts there or starts and stops there. Either way, anything beyond that, any explanation beyond that, doesn't cut it, does it? All right, so if you're in charge, any sport, your athlete gets busted taking illicit drugs. What's the punishment? 13, 13, 55, 0467, 736, 736.